From Washington, D.C. and around the world, this is Government Matters with Francis Rose. Thanks for watching Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news, trends, and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm your host, Francis Rose. Margaret Weikert's leaving the job of Deputy Director for Management at the Office of Management and Budget. Weikert says she'll move to Accenture's commercial practice after serving for nearly three years at OMB. No announcement yet on who will take her place. The General Services Administration will extend and expand its pilot program for debriefing contractors. GSA Senior Procurement Executive Jeff Kosas says the agency plans to start a new phase of its in-depth feedback through open reporting methods program after the first phase received positive feedback. FCW reports the new extension will include up to 300 test acquisitions. The Department of Health and Human Services will look for a new chief technology officer. Ed Simcox says he plans to move to the private sector. FedScoop reports he's been CTO at HHS since May 2018. The Trump administration's new budget proposal for fiscal year 2021 includes management chapters that apply the proposal to the president's management agenda. This spring will mark the 20th year of the PMA. Dan Chenick is executive director of the IBM Center for the Business of Government, writing about the history of the PMA in government executive. It's good to see you, my friend. Thanks for coming back. Great to see you, Francis. As you, as you write about the history of the PMA, what strikes me is the consistent themes throughout the entire 19 headed toward 20 years of the PMA. Is that what What's the most significant thing to you? That's certainly one of the recurring themes of the PMA. The uh, original President's Management Agenda had focus on IT and e-government, which connects today to IT modernization. It had a focus on human capital, which connects today to the workforce. It had a focus on budget and performance integration, which connects to a lot of the cap goals, the cross-agency priority goals. Mm -hmm. And there are other elements of continuity just on the substance. What has been the reason for that? consistency over the years what's been the mechanics behind that because you know very well as an OMB veteran consistency among initiatives administration to administration is not something that the government is well known for right. well it's interesting the, the management levers of government really help any administration with any policy agenda achieve that agenda more efficiently and effectively and the mission support functions that the president management agenda really focuses on around use of modern technology using financial uh, tools most effectively acquiring um, uh, services and goods from the private sector using the procurement system effectively those those all help every administration achieve their goals, and they've been really the focus of the PMA over time. When you write about the first PMA in this piece, which I commend to folks who are interested in management, it's a terrific uh, history of where we've come from and uh, leads us to think about where we're headed. The, I think the biggest change over these 20 years has been, you write about the fact that some deputy secretaries did not want any scores <laughs> or any markers of performance published until the OMB director at the time, Mitch Daniels, said, we're going to publish ours, even though a lot of them are red. They didn't look great, but he said, we have to start somewhere, right. basically. Am I reading that right? That's right. There, there was a lot of concern at the beginning around the scorecard, which was a red, yellow, green spot uh, stoplight, mm -hmm. where red is needs a lot of work, yellow is making progress, and green's going pretty well. And there was a lot of red at the beginning, and there were a number of deputy secretaries who, as you say, uh, said we didn't want that public immediately, and Mitch made a, a commitment to have put OMBs out there as well. What, did that, what difference did that make? It brought around the deputy secretaries. And it, w another thing that, that caused them to um, 
uh, to be supportive was the fact that at the beginning, uh, during the Bush PMA, they had two sets of scores. One was for how well are the agencies actually doing in terms of achieving goals. And the other was essentially for effort. How, how are they doing in terms of their plans to improve over time? So since each agency was starting at a different baseline, the effort score really rewarded agencies for making progress. One of the things, that, the reason I think that's significant is because we've come from that place 20 years ago to today where I, there's a there's there's an enthusiasm about scores being published even if they're not great I think because of exactly what you just described deputy secretaries and other performance managers at the agencies understand we can demonstrate success even if we start out in a place that's not so great if we actually do the work mm -hmm. and improve things we can show that we're serving the citizen better or whatever the goal is and I think it's been helpful with the oversight community mm -hmm. as well uh, the General, General Government Accountability Office, which uses uh, scores for various management initiatives, looks at the PMA, and as agencies make progress, uh, it helps GAO kind of assess and judge and how to, how to talk to agencies about their management initiatives as well. Mm -hmm. the, the Inspector General community uses it in the same way that uh, GAO does, too. What's, what does all of this portend for the future, do you think? Do you expect to see whether President Trump's reelected or another president comes into office in January 2021, this is a train that's on the tracks now, right? This is not something that's going to be easy for anybody to say, well, it's fine, but we'll do something yeah. different. So I give a lot of credit to the OMB career management leadership, Dustin Brown and his team, to, to Margaret Weikert, uh, the DDM, who is, uh, as he reported, soon to be leaving, mm -hmm. um, for continuing the, the emphasis on good management, good government, as key to success for government in the long term. And so you're seeing an infrastructure now across the last, really, two administration changes where the president's management agenda has been an expected part of what a new administration or a second term uh, would, it would include mm -hmm. in their first year's initiatives. Yeah, that, in, that infrastructure word, I think, is the important thing, because I don't think anybody would argue that good government is a desired goal of any administration but the way about which you do it, not having to reconstruct the mechanism, gave, I think, this administration an advantage in getting up and getting running, especially considering all the open positions they had to fill. Mm -hmm. And an, the next administration not having to do that also, I think, would give it an advantage. Yeah, I think setting up for success in, in the first months, and this goes for uh, including the presidential transition initiatives mm -hmm. from uh, the candidates who will be working over the summer, sort of fa focusing on management as part of what they're working on and focusing on management for any second term of administration really can help them hit the ground running because there's so much to do in the first three months of a new administration or a second term. Uh, we have less than a minute left, Dan. Given that and given your experience on President Obama's transition team, what should those transition teams and what should the Trump administration's transition team, because they'll do one too, what should they be thinking about throughout 2020 regarding the PMA and setting it up for success, whoever becomes president in 2020? So I think looking at the current management initiatives, what's working well, uh, seeing where there is more progress to be made, and also looking at how those management initiatives align to their policy priorities. Um, management um, matters for uh, people in government who are doing that work every day in terms of the achieving missions for the American people, understanding that connection between good management and mission results will help any administration move forward. It's great to have you back, my friend. Thanks. Thank great you, piece. Francis. Up next, top trends in government contracting. Straight ahead on Government Matters, what are government and industry doing right together? You're watching WJLA 24-7 News.
This Industry Matters segment is brought to you by BDO. Lidos will provide base network services to the Navy under the Next Generation Enterprise Networks contract, Recompete. It's one of the most important contracts in the Pentagon right now. Jerry Fasano is president of the defense group at Lidos. Jerry, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. Thanks, What's Francis. some of the big contracts or uh, uh, trends that you're seeing in doing business with the Pentagon well, It is right a now. busy time yeah. in the industry, and that really is the top trend, the speed of acquisition. We hear from the service acquisition uh, ex executives the need for speed. Dr. Roper was on your program mm -hmm. a couple of months ago talking about how to get the Air Force to move faster. Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Jetty and Secretary Gortz are sending the same messages for the uh, Army and the, and the Navy. And we see the pace of government, it's clear that it's quickening. Mm -hmm. And you know that, uh, that quickening pace is, is reflected in the budgets. In 2019 was a very strong budget year, first year in a decade. We had a, we had a, a budget on time. Mm -hmm. And 2020 is an extension of that. And with that, uh, strong budgets, we had uh, seen an explosion in contracting. As an example, at Lidos, we had over $50 billion of proposals submitted last year, almost twice what we had two years ago. Mm -hmm. What do companies like yours do to successfully facilitate that need for speed? And you're correct, every branch, every part of the, uh, of the Defense Department is asking for that. Speed. Exactly. Well, I think it's important for us to invest. Uh, we can't just have our hand out at all times. Mm -hmm. So a company like Lidos is looking to make, make those investments. We had a record amount of capital and IRAD expended last year, and we're doing the same this year. Mm -hmm. um, the department and industry have gone back and forth about R&D for a long time now. As Pentagon budget mm -hmm. shrank, or as a lot of the money was yep. going toward operations, they were saying to companies like yours, we need you to do the R&D, yep. and I'm not putting words in your mouth or your company's mouth, but industry broadly was saying, we're not sure we want to do that until we have some sense of what the ROI might be. Yeah. How is that shifting as the department, especially in this budget request, seems to be more interested in being willing to try their own R&D again? Well, I, I think what helps uh, our company at Lidos is that we now have some more budget uh, visibility mm -hmm. out through 21. We see the national defense strategies reflected in, in the budget. So it's much easier of a business case for us to bring forward to invest in those key those key areas that the customers are, are asking for. And we, we've, we've done that in our maritime domain, investing in, uh, in uh, contractor-owned, contractor-operated assets, new acoustic sensors. We do the same thing in our airborne domain. Lots of investments in uh, AI, ML, and our software factories. The uh, National Defense Strategy has been a guiding document since it came out. What's your sense of how well the department has done at tying what it's actually buying to supporting the NDS? Yeah, well, from our standpoint, we look at some of our, our recent wins. Uh, you know, we're proud, proud to have won the NGEN uh, co contract there. Uh, we really liked how the Navy ran that acquisition. Very good transparency, strong uh, uh, bidders library, lots of access, weekly uh, Friday meetings with all bidders to answer questions. And that's what you need. You want to go off and, uh, and have an opportunity to understand their as environment and to bring innovation. And, they're, and they create an environment that focus on providing innovation in those proposals, mm -hmm. and those innovations tie directly to the NDS technologies. So innovation is a word that I hear in this space all the mm -hmm. time, but it means different things to different people. When someone in the department says to one of your team, mm -hmm. we want an innovative approach, how do you know what to do, and how do you know that your innovation is going to be sufficient to overcome the other guy's innovation? Exactly. Well, it, it, it is always the competition. There's yeah. some strong competitors out there. But in our case, it's really having that 
opportunity for a dialogue and to exchange and share innovations. And we love when customers allow us that access, come out to visit us, and that allows you to not guess, but you're now making a bet mm -hmm. in something that you know they want, they need in, in their enterprise. So access is key to making those smart decisions. Another thing I hear on an ongoing basis regarding that con the communication and collaboration mm -hmm. is that the Pentagon's a lot better at that than the civilian agencies. Is that, I, I don't know what your yeah, visibility so, is in so the my, civilian my, agencies. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure I, we would agree entirely with that. We've seen great appetites for innovation across the, our businesses. We had some signature wins that were really fueled in our, in our civil business in Department of Energy and in NASA, and we've seen similar appetites in health and, and of course, in our, in our defense business. Mm -hmm. So I think we'd have a different view of that. We, we find people want to do business with yeah. someone who's going to invest in our mission in advance of need. But the department seems to be better. Maybe it's because of the history of collaborating and communicating with companies, even pre-requirements at being able to say, this is what we think we need, but what do you mm -hmm. think we need? Or what yeah. would help us get to this outcome rather than here's a long list of requirements so we right. want you to go make yeah. these widgets? Yeah, and I, I, think that's, I think that's true. You look at this, the service chiefs that we talked about, they want that speed. To get that speed, they need you to go off and help them. There's been such a focus, especially uh, in the Army, for example, on force readiness. Mm -hmm. And so modernization has lagged. And so it opens up an opportunity for someone to say, hey, we'll go off and bring our own uh, platform and provide you ISR by the hour in a contractor-owned, contractor-operated environment. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing that. We have less than a minute left, Jerry. Do you think the fact that the service chiefs now have not just visibility but accountability for these major <laughs> programs has made a difference in this push to speed? Oh, absolutely. We, As I mentioned, the, the pace is... Uh, as busy as I've seen it in my 30 plus 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 years here, uh, I've earned this antique blonde hair. Uh, and <laughs> antique is great, <laughs> but but yes, no. The, the service chiefs are are I, they have they have their support. They're not out on their own. They're not too far out on the ledge, and they are driving and shaping the the future of investment. I'm stealing the antique blonde line. That's terrific, Jerry. Thanks very much for coming on. Uh, thanks for having you. me. Up next, the Army calls halt on its medical care consolidation. Straight ahead on Government Matters, the future of the merger with the Defense Health Agency. Don't forget, if you miss an episode of Government Matters, you can find it on our website, govmatters.tv. We'll be right back. Secretary of the Army Ryan McCarthy wants to put a hold on transferring the Army's medical treatment facilities to the Defense Health Agency. At least for now, he says he's concerned about a lack of performance and planning. Vice Admiral Raquel Bono, U.S. Navy retired, former director of the Defense Health Agency. Rocky, welcome back. It's great to Thank have you. you. What do you see when you look at the reports about Secretary McCarthy, his concerns about DHA, based on your experience from inside the organization? Right. I think the most important thing, Francis, is that people are continuing to work together towards the end goal. Uh, it's very clear where Congress wants us to go and the work that the Defense Health Agency with the services has already put in place quite a few changes. What are the changes that are happening? What are the changes that it's your takeaway that Secretary McCarthy wants that he hasn't seen yet? Yes. So uh, I believe that as I was leaving, you know, we had already transferred some of the, the MTFs, some of the MTFs to the Defense Health Agency. 
And with the beginning of this new uh, calendar year, there are going to be some more military treatment facilities that we're going to be rolling over. And so I believe that in that, uh, we already had an established set of metrics that we wanted to use to monitor the progress. I think it's wise to be able to stop and assess those metrics and make sure that the progress that we wanted to achieve is actually occurring. Uh, Federal News Network report says Secretary McCarthy wants to halt the transition until a detailed budget strategy and plan to transfer functions from the services is delivered. Mm -hmm. What has to happen? I know you're not inside the agency yeah. <laughs> now, but based on your knowledge, sure. how far along is that effort and what does that look like? Does that answer the concerns, do you think, that Secretary McCarthy and other military leaders maybe in the other branches might have about how this shift of MTFs sure. is happening? Well, I think the nice thing about it, before I left, is that we had the conversations with the services to understand how best to undertake a transfer of function that would include not only the capabilities but the personnel involved. So I believe that that, that conversation has already been put in place. Th those plans have already been laid out. And what is probably of merit is going over and perhaps doing a rehearsal of capability and being able to show how that actually plays out. Mm -hmm. What did you find were the major differences among the branches and the way that they provided care to their members? So um, there are always differences in delivery, also differences in how appointments were made. Mm -hmm. And so what the overall goal for the Defense Health Agency was to make the experience of care for our patients similar mm -hmm. no matter where they went to get their care. Yeah, that strikes me that that's kind of back office stuff. That's not the way, the type of care okay. that maybe an airman needs to receive compared to the way that uh, the type of care that a soldier needs to receive. I imagine there are some some differences, sure. but not major differences. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about since <laughs> I'm not a medical <laughs> no. professional, but you are. No. Are there major differences between what a cohort of airmen need versus a cohort of sailors, versus a cohort of marines, versus a cohort of soldiers? Well, there are always going to be unique nuances depending on the service, mm -hmm. but you're right. Um, most of the care that we give is primary care, preventive care, and when needed, specialty care, mm -hmm. and all of that is pretty similar. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think are the major milestones that we should watch coming out of DHA, not necessarily just pertinent to the concerns mm -hmm. that the Army has, but also more broadly? Yes. So uh, you'll continue to see more of the MTFs coming, un coming under the Defense Health Agency. Uh, you'll also probably see identification of markets where there are collections of military treatment facilities in certain geographic areas that will also start migrating to the Defense Health Agency. And in the backdrop of that, you'll also see uh, coordination and parallel movement with the deployment of the electronic health record, mm -hmm. MHS Genesis. And then you'll also see refinement of the TRICARE health plan. When you mentioned the movement of places where there are a number of facilities, mm -hmm. everybody hates the word consolidation, but it strikes me the, the quantity of care that DHA provides will have to equal the quantity of care that's provided. So exactly. consolidation isn't necessarily a dirty word in this case, is it? No. As a matter of fact, that's where a lot of the efficiencies will be realized by consolidating, as you mentioned previously, those back office functions. Mm -hmm. The back office function consolidation, what does that look like? How, how is that continuing and what are the gains that the the person who's seeking care from DHA will see. Will it make a difference to that person? It shouldn't make an obvious difference. Uh, where they will probably experience a difference, and this is actually the goal, is in their experience of care. 
So how they make an appointment on the East Coast should be the same way they make an appointment on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. Genesis is the backbone of that, right? Genesis has a very large role to play in that, mm -hmm. exactly. What, what's the, what are the markers that we should watch for on Genesis moving forward? Genesis is actually moving really, really nicely now. And now that we have, understand what some of our challenges are in the infrastructure area and what we needed to do, the, the Defense Health Agency is continuing that. And then as the uh, migration of medical devices and end user devices to that new network, as well as the adoption of, of workflows. Was the big game changer for the Genesis rollout the shift in the way that you trained providers how to use it? That had a big, big impact on that. The big change there from, I believe the last time we talked before you retired, was that you were training people before how to use software and you kind of shifted that mindset yes. to get them to understand this is just a facility, a facilitator to provide the care. Exactly. Here's how you provide care in the context of this new thing. Am That's I, exactly is that a fair right. statement? Yes, absolutely. All right, uh, Admiral Bono, thanks very much for coming on. It's great to have you back. My pleasure. Always. Thank you. I'm Sharice Hanner. You can now stay on top of all things that matter to the business of government anywhere, anytime. Subscribe to the Government Matters podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or simply ask your digital assistant to play the Government Matters podcast. For a quick fix of government news, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at GovMattersTV. The West Conference celebrates 30 years of bringing military and industry leadership together. It features uniformed and civilian leadership and three engagement theaters covering a lot of different topics. It's back at the San Diego Convention Center this year, March 2nd and 3rd. You can get more information and sign up for it at govmatters.tv events. That's the latest from Washington. Join me weeknights at 8 and 11 on WJLA 24-7 News and Sunday mornings at 1030 on ABC7 to stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Thanks for watching. I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening. Our daily program is produced by Sharice Hanner and Ashley Gallagher. Christy Marriott leads our technical crew. Our web editor is Andrew Wagner. Government Matters was created by George Jackson. Visit govmatters.tv for articles, videos, and more, including our first feature-length documentary, The Dawn of Generation AI. Government Matters is recorded at WJLA-TV in Washington, D.C. Copyright Sinclair Broadcast Group.